I uh, sat down there and asked the Lord, Lord, why didn't you wire me to preach with the same excitement that Marla Johnson has? <laughs> and he said, there is only one Marla in this world. I don't need two of you. Okay. So we're diving back into our message today, the praying church. This is kind of like volume two. We began volume one at the beginning of the year. Several good messages we preached back then, and we're, we're revisiting this topic. It's one of the reasons prayer is so crucial for Christians today is because prayer allows us to participate with God in bringing about change in the world. Prayer is one of the ways that we participate with God, you know, that we partner with God to make a difference in this life. And one of the primary changes we're also finding that prayer helps bring about is the change in our own hearts, isn't it? Prayer makes an amazing change in ourselves. We are one of the things in the world being changed by our own prayers. Uh, some prayers about changing things around us. Some prayers about our circumstances or changing the situation for other people. But prayer is also asking God to change us and help make us the change that we want to see in the world. That's what prayer can do. God can make you the change you want to see in the world. And so one of the most important steps in seeing prayer have this kind of like real impact on your life is learning to pray every day, to pray daily as Jesus taught us, as Jesus modeled for us. And I've gotten so excited by some of the feedback I've received from many of you uh, when you tell me how you've started making daily personal prayer, uh, you know, more of a priority in your life and discovering that there are a lot of different kinds of prayer, right? There's so many facets to prayer. It's a game changer for some of you when you discover that. It, is, it was for me. That prayer is not boring anymore to, to us, right? It's not the same old, same old. Prayer isn't limited to one kind of praying. We've talked in past series. These are just a little example on your screen of some of the past messages. You can check out some past series that we've done on prayer. Um, we've talked about prayers of intercession, prayers of petitions, when you're partnering with God to meet the needs of other people. We've talked about prayers of thanksgiving for his blessings. It's so important. Prayers of lament when it feels like life is kind of tossing you into a tailspin. Uh, we've talked about meditative prayers uh, that keep God just involved in all uh, facets of your life, just your day, moment by moment, just meditating on Him. We've talked about praying in the Spirit, praying in the unknown tongue. We've talked about praying through Scripture. Praying through Scripture is when we read a passage and then we ask God to speak to us through the text. And it's just sort of this beautiful back and forth conversation with God throughout Scripture. We've talked about a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, we don't like, I, I really personally don't like to repeat myself, uh, repeat a sermon. So when we, once we preach one, I just like go watch it uh, because I get you for like 40 minutes a week. And I know you listen to so many voices all throughout your weeks. I have your attention for 40 minutes a week and that's like 50 times a year. And so I, I don't have time to re-preach a sermon. So go watch these if you didn't miss them. Um, but today with the team freshly back from Africa, we've, we, we're going to talk about a kind of prayer that's very fitting for this Missions Sunday, and that is how can we blend our prayer life and our evangelistic life together? How can you and I do some of the things that this team just got done doing? We're going to see how our prayers play a part in the missional work, the evangelistic work that Christ's disciples are all called to, to live out. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, well, this is going to be interesting because I don't have much of a prayer life and I don't have much of an evangelistic life. That's great. 
you've come to the right service this morning. Uh, so you're going to grow in both areas and see how they kind of feed each other, all right? So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Matthew, Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. That's where we're headed. Uh, I'd love you to just follow along yourself because we're going to look through this uh, short, powerful passage verse by verse. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages. And here it's going to list three things that Jesus did, right? This is the three, the, like the trifold ministry of Jesus in a nutshell. Here it is. Teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Teaching, proclaiming, healing. So teaching in the synagogues here, that's like diving in and exploring the scriptures together. That's what we're doing right here. We're teaching, right? This, the, the people who were, came to the synagogues in Jesus' day, these were folks who, <clears throat> they believed in the Torah, right? They, they feared God. They, went, they loved God. They, went, they may not have fully committed yet to, uh, you know, God's revelation through Jesus Christ, but they were, they were looking to the scriptures. And so they were doing what they thought God wanted them to do. And for some of them, it was like, like some of us, you know, it's like, well, I think God's, you know, we're supposed to show up at least once a week. And, you know, we're supposed to show up. So Jesus says, great, let's start there. Let's walk through the scriptures and see how the Bible points us to what God has to say for us today, which is what we are doing right here today. And discover, let's discover this new kingdom that's breaking out in the earth. But you know, when Jesus wasn't teaching in the synagogues, it said he was out in the streets proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom, that's the gospel, Hallelujah. right? And the kingdom is this amazing message we're still preaching today that Jesus as king invites us to participate as, number one, as citizens of this new kingdom so that we're a part of this new culture, we're part of this new way of living with love at its center, we're citizens of this kingdom. It's a whole new way of life, and we get to model it everywhere we go. But also, not just as citizens, not just like we're club members here, but we also get to be ambassadors, ambassadors of this kingdom. You know what an ambassador does, right? An ambassador lives in a foreign land. You and I live in a foreign land. We have the, we have the privilege to participate in this kingdom, but also to invite others to join it, right? The good news of the kingdom the good news of the kingdom is not just, I get to go to heaven when I die. The good news of the kingdom is that I get to start my eternal life here and now with Jesus as my king. And everyone walking together, living out this beautiful life of love together. Starting now. It gives my life purpose. It gives it uh, fullness. And, and that kingdom, being part of that kingdom, it's not dependent on anything going on around me. It's not in, dependent on who's in charge of the government. It's not dependent on the culture or if culture shifts and changes. It's not dependent on that. It's not dependent on my nationality or my immigration status, right? My citizenship. It's a kingdom that is not of this world, was the words Jesus used. It's not of this world. And everyone who asks can be a part of it. Everyone. So we get to be ambassadors. Ambassadors stationed in a foreign land. We get to be walking, living reflections of this gospel. So Jesus is proclaiming this message to people who are on the outside. They're outside the synagogue, either by choice or because they just don't fit into the mold of what a person invited into the synagogue was supposed to look like. And so that's what he's out there doing. 
And then he's also, it says, he healed diseases and sicknesses. He was practically meeting people's immediate needs. And we're called to do that too. We're called to do that too. We're, all of us are called to pray for one another. Uh, reminded over in James, it says, confess your sins to one another, to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you know this is the only scripture in all of the New Testament where it explicitly tells Christians to pray for each other? right? There's, there's scriptures where it tells uh, us to uh, uh, pray, for, pray for our leaders. Paul says, pray for us as we're traveling. There's scriptures where he says, I'm pray for you, right? It says, if you need something, call upon the elders of the church, let them pray for you. There's scriptures where it tells us to pray for our enemies. This is the one passage where it says to pray for each other. All of us are to pray for each other and confess our sins to one another. So, and, and why does it tell us this? Because the New Testament picture of the church is one where everyone is a priest. All of us here, right? That it was, it's a term known from the Reformation era as, as the priesthood of all believers. We're all a priest. There's not just one person you bring your sins to for confession. There's not just one person you, you, who's the only person who's anointed to pray for the sick, for your healing. We get to pray for one another. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm reminded too that healing, you know, there's some people who the Bible says has a gift of healing. It's one of the spiritual gifts, the gift of healing. And that's a beautiful thing, right? They pray for it and there's like instant, these beautiful healing manifestations. And by the way, that's not just one particular anointed person. That can be any, God can grant the gift of healing to any single, every one of us as he wills, right? Uh, he can grant it to you and, and to pray for other people. But I'm also reminded that healing isn't just instant manifestations of miraculous cures. Healing also takes the form of you and I practically meeting the needs of other people. That's being Christ-like. Healing often takes the form of working through the hands and feet of people, his people. That, in fact, very, very often, in fact, the thing we want to guard against, and, and I have to remind myself of this, we want to guard against the idea that my role when it comes to people in need begins and ends with just praying for their need to be miraculously met, right? Because guess what? Most of the time, most of the time, the means by which God does a miracle for someone is through the hands and feet of his people, right? Most of the time, you're praying to God for a miracle for somebody, and he says, awesome, let's do it. Let's do it, right? And so if somebody you know has a need, for sure, pray for it, but then go meet that need. Be the miracle, right? Right? So Jesus is modeling this for us. He's praying for the sick. He's doing things. He's teaching. He's teaching those who are the believers. He's helping them grow spiritually. He's, that's discipleship. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom to those who aren't sitting in church with us. And then he's being God's instrument of healing to a broken world. We want to be the people who are quick to say, how can I serve you? How can I meet your need? And, and we do that as individuals in our daily life throughout the week. Uh, but we also do that collectively. You know, when we take up an offering, we're doing that collectively as a church. We can pool our resources. Sometimes you can do more together, accomplish more than you can as just single individuals. Amen. So the church is important. And then it says this in verse 36, Jesus, it says, this is beautiful. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed 
and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Notice Jesus, he doesn't condemn sinners. He doesn't see the crowd and go, ah, what a bunch of terrible people who made terrible choices. No, 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 no. He sees them as lost sheep who need to be found and brought home. Remember, we've talked before this, the, the, oftentimes the scriptural perspective of sin is like a sickness. It's a brokenness that needs to be mended. Compassion. This word compassion literally means calm passion. It literally means suffering with, to suffer with. And it comes, in the Greek, it comes from this word splagnon. It's a really cool word, splagnon, uh, which it sounds like, oh, you know, you, you might need an antiprobiotic for that or something. Splagnon, because it's the word for intestines or guts, right? Splagnon, he feels it down in his gut. Jesus doesn't just feel this compassion, like in the sort of detached, sentimental sense, like a, you know, commercial for adopting puppies or something like that. He feels it down in his guts, Notice these two words, harassed and helpless, used to describe the crowd here. The meaning of these words is actually a lot more graphic than is translated here. He says they're like sheep without a shepherd. Why? The shepherds have run, apparently, and they, why are they harassed and helpless? The first word translated harassed is skulo, skulo, and it means to be skinned alive. It's the word used of an animal when it's flayed when it's been ripped apart by the claws of a predator. Skulo, these sheep, he sees them and they've been under attack. Their flesh has been ripped open and these people are broken. They're bleeding, they're hurting. And Jesus sees this, he sees this. One of the first things that happens to us when we learn to, when we commit to praying evangelistically is that we began to see people the way Jesus sees them. You stop seeing them as the other. You stop seeing them as an enemy for sure. You start seeing them with compassion. We discover that often behind the veneer that a lot of people uh, portray of having it all together, there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hurting. You know, there's certain people who look like they have it all together. Some of us in this room we're really good at looking like we have it all together. And a lot of times it's just because we have more, you might have more money to spend <laughs> on looking good. Uh, or, or some people have just a personality uh, that they can kind of play it off and make out like everything's cool. They just have that kind of personality. There's different people. They have a lot of different defense mechanisms. Some folks it's easier to spot when they're hurting, uh, but most people are hurting in some significant way, even if they're able to hide it behind a mask. And so Jesus sees through the pretense. He sees the pain. And they're not only skulo, it says, the word for wounded, it says they're also helpless, which is this word ripto. Ripto means to be cast off or tossed out, to be thrown away. These are people who feel like garbage. They feel useless. So he sees people who feel wounded, and discarded. And he says, these are like sheep without a shepherd. Well, where's the shepherd? All through the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew scriptures say, it referred to the leaders of Israel, they, that they were like shepherds to God's flock. The leaders of Israel were like the shepherds, and they're not here. They're not here. So uh, they, they've scattered. 
So this is kind of an indictment here against, against the uh, Jewish leaders at the time, the religious leaders at the time. Jesus is speaking to the people of Israel, and he's suggesting that the leaders have fled, or in some cases, they may actually be the ones causing the wounds. This is awful. This is the pastor turned predator we hear about today. And it's, and it, and it's, it's terrible. It's, it, there are people today who have been hurt by religion, and they've been hurt by religious leaders in, in their life. And Jesus sees this. And it's such a tragedy. It's such a tragedy today when people, the people God loves, they suffer and they're abused, not by other sheep, but by the very preachers and self-proclaimed prophets and these sorts who are supposed to be caring for them. And we see it in so much of the church. Abuse of authority, uh, abuse of power and position, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, perpetrated usually by men who see their purpose in earth as, as amassing power over people rather than being a servant to people. Uh, Christ have mercy on us all. And Jesus is saying loud and clear here, he's looking at this crowd, which is not so hard to imagine because it's not so different than today, right? He's, he's looking at this crowd and he's saying what he wants is for the rest of us to partner with him on a rescue mission, to partner with him on a reality mission, to, to wake up the people to the truth of his love, the truth of God's love, and to call them into, into a healing community, which is what the church could be and should be when it's at its best. Now look at what he says next. He's, he's, he's looking at this crowd. He's feeling this compassion. He's just saying this. You could just imagine him just kind of saying this to whoever's listening. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what does he say? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So one of the prayers, we're talking about different kinds of prayer, one of the prayers we should be incorporating into our daily lifestyle of prayer is praying for harvest. Praying for harvest. Jesus is saying pray. Pray for this search and rescue mission for the people who have needs. Now, he's kind of mixing his metaphors here too, isn't he? Uh, because first they're, they're like sheep who've been abandoned and wounded, right? They're sheep, they're, but they're also like a harvest. They're ready to be gathered in because that's what you did with the harvest. Back in Jesus' day, when, the, when it was harvest time, once the grain was, was ripe and those fields were ripe, they had to hurry. They had to hurry and, and gather it in quickly before it would spoil. Remember, there's no great machines to like, get it in by the acre, right? They have to do it really quick. It's all by hand. And so landowners back in Jesus' day, they would hire extra help. They would hire laborers to come in. It was really urgent to get the crop in as fast as possible before anything stayed on the field. And then was, it stayed there too long and was lost. Jesus sees these people who are hurt. There are people who've been wounded. They've been tossed aside. They're ready for help and, and we just have to come and we have to gather them together to bring them in before it's too late, to give them a safe place. The church can be a safe place where people can heal, where they can be infused with the, the, the truth of God's love for them. Amen. And we have the privilege 
to participate with God in all of this. It's a privilege. It's interesting because he says the harvest is plentiful. There are people out there who are ready. There's a lot of work to be done. What's the problem? He says the workers are few. The problem is the workers are few. He doesn't say the harvest is plentiful, but they're just so stubborn. They just won't listen, right? He doesn't say the harvest is plentiful, but, you know, I, the Lord, just don't have time to gather them all in. So what's to do? He says the harvest is plentiful, but the but on the other side of this partnership is, is the we aren't stepping up. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, and, and notice what's the first thing he tells us to do is pray. Isn't that cool? The first thing is to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the field. So it starts with prayer. But of course, we're going we're gonna to pray for more workers. But of course, that's going to include us. Right? Amen. What's the very next thing? Jesus, if you flip to the next verse, which is the beginning of the next chapter, what's the very next thing he says to his disciples? He sends them out. He sends them out because notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, so simply pray that the harvest happens. Just keep praying that the harvest happens. That's sometimes what we're tempted to pray, right? Oh Lord, bring a harvest in. Sweep through this mighty land, Lord. Amen. Come. Bring revival into our land, Lord. Okay. Amen. Right? We like, we like, I mean, it feels good to pray that. You feel like you really did something. But that's kind of like telling God to do it, isn't it? He told us to do it. It's like our prayers are more like, yeah, no, you do it, God. You do it. So really what we should be praying is, it's, it's like this two-edged sword it's ironic. We're praying, God, we, we want to see the harvest brought in, but we understand labors are the issue. Labors are the issue, God. It's not you. It's not that you're not doing your job. Your Holy Spirit is preparing hearts. You're doing your part. It's our involvement at our end. We pray that you would motivate us, Lord, and empower us and embolden us to partner with you Amen. at what you're already doing, at our, what you already want to do. And then I realize, oh, I'm going to be also a part of the answer to my own prayer here. Amen. And it's, after that, it's time to go. It's time to go be the miracle. My prayer life and my evangelism life now intersect. You know, there's only two times in the Bible here in, in the New Testament where Jesus gives detailed instructions on how to pray. Only twice. One is the Lord's Prayer, which we've looked at before. And the other one is this one right here. Do you know that? He models prayer all the time. We hear him pray all the time, and he'll refer to prayer all the time. But any detailed teaching that he, he does on how to pray, the Lord's Prayer and the Prayer of the Harvest, right here. He said, the harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that are few, so ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. And then what does he tell us to do right after he ascends to heaven? If you remember the great ascension, he says, go into all the world and harvest that field. Hallelujah. Because disciples make disciples. We're disciples. We make disciples. So with this in mind, I want to challenge you this week uh, on how to pray this week. I want to challenge you. Here's, here's your assignment. It's, it's, it's fun homework, okay? Here's your assignment. 
every day this week, and I'm going to ask you to, to make this a part of your prayer life, then hopefully going forward after this. But these right here are eight tips, eight tips uh, on the screen. These are eight ideas. Let me, I'm going to go through them really quickly. I'll highlight just a few of them because of time. First of all, I'm inviting you to meditate on and pray through this passage in Matthew chapter 9 every day this week. Read it, meditate on it. This is that praying through scripture. So you're reading it, you're meditating on it, you're praying, Lord, make these words come alive to me. What are you saying? Okay, pray through it every day. And Jesus, what he's going to do is he's going to open your mind to seeing people the way he sees them. That's what happens because scripture affects us. This is the way scripture affects us. The scripture starts to read us. We're not just reading it. And so you're going to start having family members and friends and coworkers come to mind. I'm just telling you how it's it's going to be awesome. And you'll see them through different eyes. But also what you're going to be doing is you'll, you'll pray for yourself and you'll, that you would see people the way Jesus sees them and pray that you'll be motivated to be the answer to this prayer for you to go and talk to other people. And that's number two, to, which says that pray for opportunities to evangelize, to share that good news with people, right? But number three reminds us that we have to keep our eyes open for these opportunities, You have to keep your eyes open because they don't always come uh, with big neon signs over their heads, you know, saying, I need you to evangelize me today, right? Our friends don't walk up that way. And so be looking for those chances when God is moving someone into your path. Number four, ask a lot of questions. Ask lots of questions. Don't just go doing the talking. Pray that God will help you have a genuine spiritual curiosity when it comes to other people. We don't want to just be a one-sided commercial that really isn't interested in what people are going through or what they're thinking or what they're feeling. And then as you do number five, which is look for the signs in people as you're talking to them. You're looking for those signs of they're already having some awareness of their need for the salvation that only Jesus can bring. Because see, the Holy Spirit, remember what the Holy Spirit is? He's doing his job, which is convicting people and talking to them and ministering to them. So there's people out there. Now there's going to be people out there who just aren't ready to have a spiritual conversation, and that's fine. But what you're looking for are those signs of their awareness of their need. Do they, do they walk with a limp? Do they seem already aware of their own brokenness? their own need for love and acceptance and purpose outside themselves? Is there a longing that you sense? That's a sign that the Holy Spirit has been preparing their heart for a conversation with you. You know, every human being, every, every person with a soul, which is all of us, craves love, forgiveness, purpose, and rest. These are needs that only Jesus can truly supply. All of us need these things. These are needs that Jesus supplies. The gospel is the good news that Jesus really does bring love and acceptance. He brings forgiveness. He brings freedom from our guilt and our shame. He brings true purpose. He brings rest from the endless religious treadmill of striving and and, and failing to live up to some impossible standard. He brings rest to that. Just a couple of chapters right after this is where Jesus is going to say, come to me if you are burdened down, if you are heavy laden, if you're carrying this heavy load, and I'll give you rest. So Jesus says all that guilt and shame and exhaustion, I can remove all of that from you. Number six is, uh, this is something Zach Clift uh, preached on just brilliantly a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Be ready to tell your story. 
be ready to tell your story. Testify as to why you have this hope, is the way Scripture says. Uh, share your own experience. Because you know people can argue with you about all kinds of stuff. They can, their opinions, or they can argue your logic. You may think it's airtight, but they can argue with it. They can argue Scripture. They may see it differently. They can argue your opinions, but they can't argue with your actual testimony of, look, look, I don't know everything, but I mean, here's what God did for me. That's all I can say is, I mean, look what God did for me. Amen. That's powerful. And number seven, very important, when you're having these conversations with people, don't feel the pressure to win an argument. Don't feel that pressure. If they want to start an argument, that's not why you're there. Uh, you don't have to feel that pressure to win. Just introduce them to Jesus and let him convince them. That's what you're doing, right? I think, think of it this way. You, you are not, uh, you're more of a dating service, not a salesperson, <laughs> Right? In other words, you're not trying to convince them of some like product you're selling. That's the wrong approach. You just actually know somebody that you think would be amazing for them. And, and you, you happen to know that he like loves them already. He's like really into them. Amen. And you want to introduce them. Let Jesus do the convincing, right? Number eight, invite them to go and hear and learn more about Jesus for themselves. This is very important. You don't have to make the whole brilliant case all by yourself. Uh, in fact, it's more effective. It's usually more effective. Invite them to do their own investigation. Uh, that's often the most effective means by which we, any of us, change our mind. Isn't that true? Has anybody ever just sat across from you and like laid out this incredible case and you walked away with your mind changed? Very rarely, right? But sometimes they can plant a seed and you go do the investigation and you find out Oh, wow. And, and, and that is often the, uh, the deep heart change that happens to us. So invite them to begin reading the Bible for themselves. Invite them, uh, suggest a book that you love that's about Jesus or listen to a podcast. Or here you go, invite them to church. Invite them to church so they could just come and see and experience for themselves. Lastly, it's not on this list. I would just add this. If they're not interested, if they're not interested, then just serve them in any ways that are appropriate to show them love and then move on, right? Because the Holy Spirit, Spirit may still have work to do in preparing their hearts to bring conviction, to heal hurts uh, before they're ready for that, that next step, okay? So here we go. Eight tips, steps. Now look, all of this is for nothing, guys, if you don't dive into the challenge yourself. Okay, all of this is for nothing. I know some of you... Uh, I get it. You're just like non-joiners. I know how you're wired. You know what I mean? Uh, some of you are like, dude, I showed up for church on Sunday. Isn't that enough? And let me just say, no. <laughs> it's not enough. Um, it's a good start, but it's not enough. Um, you know, the world has a name for people who just go to church but they don't let it impact their lives in any way, shape, or form. The world has a name for people who just go through the religious motions, but they don't act like it Monday through Saturday, right? There's a name for that. What's the word? Yikes. You're not that, right? You don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. So we don't want to be a hypocrite. I know you don't. You don't want to be one of these people who just says, yeah, I'm religious. I checked a box. I go to church, whatever. No. Either be an authentic person and say, I'm not actually interested in this. 
and then I bless you to sleep in next Sunday and every Sunday after that. You go forth and be blessed. Get some good sleep. Or if you are one to say, I want to grow. I want to flourish, right? I want to be mentored by Jesus. I really do. I want to be mentored by Jesus. I want to follow in his steps. I want to be the person that I literally was created to be. If that's the case, then I hope church becomes more than just a service, more than just a sermon for you. I hope the church becomes for you a, a community of believers. Getting, yeah, we're getting extra training here. I mean, it's good. We're being hearers right now, but we don't want to stop there. We want to go and practice Amen. becoming more like Jesus. Amen. We can help each other do that too, right? We can all be an encouragement to each other. Hey, are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing with that list? Are you trying? What number are you on? I'm, I'm trying different things, right? We can be encouragement. We help each other become more like Jesus. That's why we exist. And so I'm encouraging you this week as you pray every day. Pray every day through this passage. Just let it, let it work on you. And let God open your eyes and then act on it throughout the day. Just watch what he does. Just prove him. Prove him and see if he won't do something. See if he won't bring opportunities your way. And just step out in courage and say, okay, it's not all up to me. I, I, like, I, I'm going to just do my part. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to do his part. And see how he grants you opportunities to talk about your faith. Amen? I want to pray for you. Let's pray for you. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to, to pray with our bodies, with our mouths, with our minds, with our hearts, all in sync together, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we, we spend time each day praying evangelistically, praying to the Lord of the harvest, that we might find in our, in our hearts that we're aligning with your heart. I pray, Lord, Dad, that our minds are being filled with the mind of Christ and we would begin to see ourselves as the answer to our own prayer, to become those labors needed to bring this, this harvest about, Lord. And I pray we might sense the intimacy that you desire to have with us and that we might find delight in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand to your feet, if you will. Our pair partners are coming forward. If there's anything that they can pray with you about, these are guys who just love to pray. They love to partner with you and to uh, pray for whatever's going on in your life. If it's something physical, a health need or an emotional need or a, a financial need going on or relational, whatever it is, or you just want more of Jesus. If you want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time today, what a great time to do it. Just come forward. Let these people pray with you. They love you and uh, they love to pray. Amen. My friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And he may he give you opportunities to be the answer to the prayers of a desperate world this week. Amen. Grace and peace be with you. Bye-bye. Thank you, sir.